Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. It's a Friday yet again. It still feels like a Thursday because of Memorial Day weekend. But if you're watching the program, you know it's Friday because that is number one, the day that Chris Sims refuses to work. And number two, the only day that we can get Big Cat to work with some rare exceptions. Good morning, Big Cat. Hope you're doing well. Hope you've had a good week. Actually, I really don't care. I'm just being polite. How, how are you? Again, I don't care. I'm just being polite. Happy Friday, Mike. I actually do care how you are. Uh, you look good. You're going to note that I got a haircut. Are you going to say that? Usually oh, you did get a haircut. It. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Appreciate nice it. haircut. Uh, yes, thank you. Thank you. But it's, it is weird. It doesn't feel like Friday. But here we are. Let's do it again. It is, uh, it is nice seeing your face every Friday morning. It's kind of the unofficial start of the weekend for me. Now, now, let me ask you this. Do you still dye your own hair, or now that you've got the Penn National money, do you pay someone to dye your hair? Still dye my own hair, and unfortunately for me, I dyed my hair yesterday, and then I took a picture last night, and half the comments were that I'm really going gray, and those people don't realize that that's after I had dyed my hair that morning. So I really, <laughs> really am. I am very close to being Polly Walnuts in Sopranos and just having the wingtips. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. See, my big concern about dyeing the hair, and it is something that I refuse to do, is once you lock into it, you can't get out of it. And what you eventually do is become the 75-year-old guy with the jet black hair, or you show up one day with the amazing transformation that we saw 30 years ago from Bob Barker when he ditched the brown for the gray. So I'd rather it come in gradually. The lighting here is very conducive to not making my grays as obvious as they otherwise are, but I'm fine with it. And you eventually, if you're fortunate to become as old as I am and to live as long as I have, you will be fine with it too. So there's hope. I just, there's hope. You just be, although when, it's when not, you be honest it's not about good it, for the, what? Yeah. Well, I was saying when you be honest about it, when, when you say it out loud, like, Hey, I'm going to dye my hair today. 
it cuts everyone's jokes off at the knees. So that's the other way to deal with it. That's how I've been I've been approaching it. That just be honest, go straight ahead. Don't worry about it. You don't have to be a Mike Shashevsky who is uh, just pretending that he's not dying his hair when he's dying his hair. If you tell the people you're doing it, guess what? It becomes funny. It becomes part of uh, part of the whole whatever je ne sais quoi that I got going on. Well, I you know what? I can't disagree with that because you're the only guy I know that dyes his hair and admits to it and embraces mm-hmm. it and has fun with it. Everybody else treats it like it's some big state secret. And even when they're 75 and they have jet black hair and they think people uh, actually are fooled that they have uh, superior genetics and have lived that long and don't have a single gray hair except maybe one or two down by their ears. All right. Uh, far more important things to discuss. The National Football League's owners got together again yesterday for a virtual meeting to discuss some rule changes. Two to talk about, and we're going to focus this segment on the decision to table, which means it didn't have enough votes to pass, the fourth and 15 alternative to the onside kick play. It felt like there was momentum for this thing to go through, Big Cat, but there were enough people that didn't like it. I saw a report last night of a straw poll that was 16-16 right down the middle. You need 24 votes to pass a rule like this. So they decided to kick the can into a future year, and I think that's what will happen at the earliest 2021 is when it comes back for more discussion. Art Rooney, the second owner of the Steelers, said this to his team's official website after the announcement of the tabling of the potential rule change. I would say we're open to thinking about whether there's something we can do with the kickoff in a more traditional setting that might allow onside kicks to have a better chance of happening, but this one was just a little bit too much of a gimmick. Coach Tomlin and I just didn't like the idea. You know, he acts like it's a new idea. The commissioner first floated this idea eight years ago in the time profile. Remember the enforcer on the cover holding the football and it was all about the power that Roger Goodell uses to keep players in line. He mentions spontaneously in that interview with time that Greg Schiano, the former Rutgers coach who at the time either had become or was on the verge of becoming the Buccaneers coach. I think he became the Bucs coach in 2012. He had suggested the idea of fourth and 15 as a complete alternative to the kickoff to reduce the high impact collisions because of the Eric Legrand injury when it, when Greg Schiano was at Rutgers. That was the first time that's been out there. So it's been out there for eight years. Now, the NFL was very careful yesterday to get the word out. This is not the first step toward replacing the kickoff. This is a very simple and narrow fix. The onside kick has become harder to recover because they've taken away the running start for safety reasons on kickoff plays. So we need another way to allow a team that is trailing to retain possession after a score. And and that that is is something that fits with the idea that they want games to be exciting for as long as possible. They want the team that's behind to have a chance to come back. And if the onside kick is giving them no chance to come back, we need this fourth and 15 play. So I like it. I hope it comes back. I hope they find a way to do it. I don't think it's a gimmick. It's a way to allow a team to retain possession because the current way of retaining possession just doesn't work anymore, Big Cat. To me, it's a if, uh, or sorry, it's a when, not an if. This will eventually get done like everything in the NFL and when you're trying to make rule changes, you just need more teams to have been uh, impacted by this, right? There needs to be a point where teams are trying to come back, trying to do onside kicks, unsuccessfully being able to do onside kicks, and then owners getting frustrated by that. That's what ends up happening. When a rule you know, directly affects 
and owners' bottom line and owners' win losses when you have a situation like the Rams and uh, the the Saints and everyone saw that and they put themselves in that those shoes and said, if this happened to me, I would absolutely lose it. Then you will get change. And so I understand, like Art Rooney perfectly encapsulated the NFL ownership, the old NFL ownership with that quote being like, you know, it's too gimmicky. We're not there yet. Eventually they'll get there because there'll be enough time that will have passed. And I think it just it, it, it it's a slow progression that happens a lot with all these NFL rules. First, they change the onside kick. Then the onside kick becomes almost impossible to convert. And then as after enough teams try to onside kick and unsuccessfully onside kick, they realize they need to change something. And then you get the fourth and 15. So while I'm a little upset that it didn't happen right now, because I think it's a great rule and I think we should have it tomorrow. I think it will happen in the next few years. And see, to me, this is less about a team getting screwed by the current situation than it is what's in the best interest of the game. And it's in the best interest of the game to keep the team that is trailing in the game. You don't want people declaring a game to be over and change the channel earlier than they otherwise would. And having this device, and we laid out yesterday a scenario where you could be down 10 points with three seconds left, score a touchdown, convert the one point after, down by three. Because it's an untimed down, as it was proposed by the Eagles, you throw the ball 40 yards down the field, set yourself up for a field goal. You don't have to worry about killing the clock. And you've, you've sent the game to overtime with hardly any time left in the game. So it keeps games interesting, and it keeps teams alive a lot longer. And the owners need to realize it's good for the game, even though some of them may say, well, oh, we've constructed this lead carefully over the first 55 minutes of the game. Why should we be penalized by this opportunity for their team to turn it around late? Hey, hold on to the lead at that point. It's good for the game that the other team has a chance to come back and win late. And the more they wake up to that, the more likely they'll be to pass it. Mini conspiracy the theory time, Mike, because that just kind of uh, lit a light bulb in my brain, and you don't want to see what happens when the light bulb goes off in my brain every uh, every couple months. But what you just said is absolutely right. When it comes to uh, the games being interesting late, when you have teams being able to come back late, that is always going to be good. That is always going to be good to retain the TV audience. Do you think there's a chance the NFL owners with a little bit of foresight are saying, why don't we wait until the TV deals are about to be up, not show them how much this is going to actually impact uh, the game and retaining the TV audiences? Because let's be honest, probably not a ton. You know what I mean? Like this is one of those rules that I think would be fun and and there, it would happen a, a decent amount of time, but not an overwhelming amount of time. It wouldn't completely change the shape and how we watch football, but enough that you can think, oh, man, Every team's in it. Every game matters. At the hour four mark of the Sunday night football game, you better not turn it off because you have this fourth and 15. Is there a small, 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 small chance that the NFL owners are having that foresight and being like, let's wait until right before the TV deals and we can throw this in there and that could be part of our pitch? You're in the right church. Let me nudge it to the right pew. It's not part of their pitch. It's part of what they're trying to entice the networks to ask for. And then they say, well, we really don't want to do this. This really mm -hmm. isn't, you know, we talked about this last year. We don't have enough support for it. But, you know, okay, <laughs> okay, if, if it means an extra zero at the end of the annual fee yeah. that we're going to get, 
we will explore this and we will try to come up with a way to pass it to make the games more exciting, get people to continue to watch your network for as long as they possibly can. So I think there's something to that. And remember, back when this was proposed initially, it was pre-pandemic. It was at a time when we thought they get a new CBA in place between the league and the union. They're going to turn right around and redo the TV deals because there was a sense that the networks were ready to go. Given what's happened with the pandemic, maybe the networks aren't ready to go. Maybe it does move into next year. So they hold it back as something that they hope the networks will come and say, hey, you know that thing you were talking about with 4th and 15? We'd we'd like to do that. Now, in the interim, the, the debate yesterday did focus on a couple of things that at least provide the ammunition, even if they're not serious about it long term, to push back against 4th and 15. And there were two concerns that I'm told were raised, two primary concerns during the discussion. First, there's a concern that, you know, with an onside kick, if you recover it as the kicking team, you get the ball at the spot, you recover it, and the play ends, and you begin your drive there. So if you're kicking off from the 35, you recover at your own 46. What is it, the 35 or the 49? They keep moving the damn thing around, and I can't remember what it is. Wherever you kick it off from, you get 10 yards, you recover it, that's where the ball is, and that's where you start your drive from if you're the kicking team. Fourth and 15, you can score a touchdown on that play. You can run it down to the one, and you have first and goal from the one on the next play, and there's a concern that it makes it too easy to come back. Just recovering an onside kick, you got 40 or 50 yards to go, 60 yards to go maybe, to get to the end zone and get that touchdown that that you're hoping to get after recovering the onside kick. With this 4th and 15 play, you can get the touchdown on the 4th and 15 play. So there was concern about that. And actually, Troy Vincent, the executive VP of football operations, said in a conference call yesterday that there was a joke that was made that the teams with Hall of Fame quarterbacks should be excluded from this discussion because they're the ones who are going to want it. The Patrick Mahomes of the world, who already has embraced, we talked about that last week, his tweet with the emoji that I couldn't figure out because I'm too old to figure out emojis, the idea that he's chomping at the bit, or champing as the case may be, at the 4th and 15 play. And Chiefs coach Andy Reid said the same thing. We got we got a guy who can convert 4th and 15. So it becomes something that is too easy potentially for some teams to do, and maybe you see teams use it not to come from behind, but you go up seven. Oh, hey, we can do fourth and 15. Now we're up 14. We can do it again. Now we're up 21. Game over. It, it isn't the uh, first thing that you threw out there. Isn't that an easy fix? Uh, you can just run another uh, fourth and 15. You can run the fourth and 15 from the goal line, right? Like you can run fourth and 15 right after you score a touchdown. You kick the extra point or you go for two. And then you just run it back again from the 15-yard line. If you then get the touchdown or the you know if you score on that play, you then get the ball back and you can pick wherever you want to get the ball back from the 40 or whatever it may be. If you don't get it, the other team gets it back on the 40. So that eliminates the ability for a team to score a touchdown on the fourth and 15 play. I think that's an easy fix. I think that makes it too gimmicky though. I think if the idea is you're giving the team the ball in a scrimmage setting fourth and 15, it can't just be, well, if you convert fourth and 15, then you get the ball somewhere else. Um, I, I think that, you know, just from a fan standpoint, you want fans to understand what's going on and feel comfortable with it. If you see Patrick Mahomes throw the ball 75 yards down the field on the fourth and 15 play and score a touchdown, and it's like, well, it's not really a touchdown. We have to take the ball now and put it at the spot, that, you know, the 15-yard well, marker. I, I think that – I think they can work through this one. I think this is just part of what what's, it's going to take time for some of the old guard owners to understand that it is good for the game 
to give the team that's trailing this opportunity to try to narrow the gap late in the game. And, hey, look, defend the whole field. That's why these guys well, are paid to play defense. Defend the whole field. If you, it, it, my idea actually covers both things that you brought up because if, you, if you're saying it's unfair advantage for the defense and the offense now has an advantage, especially if a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, it's a lot harder to defend fourth and goal from the 15 than it is to defend I see what fourth you're and 15 from you. the 75-yard line. So that makes it more difficult. Like you have to score a touchdown again, and then you get the ball back, and then you also eliminate the idea that a team could score an actual touchdown from that 4th and 15 play. So you're saying if you convert 4th and 15, 4th and goal from the 15, then yes. you keep possession. Correct. So you score yeah. a touchdown, you kick an extra point, and then if you if it's late in the game and you want to keep the ball, you then get the you spot the ball 4th and 15 or 50 uh, the 15 yard line 4th and goal. If you get that, then you start wherever. I don't know where that ends up being, if it's the 40 yard line or whatever they end up deciding. But that's where you then get the new possession. But it does become harder then to convert the fourth and fifteen. I didn't understand Correct. your point at first, and I didn't, yeah. and I didn't want to admit that I didn't understand it. But uh, now I understand it. Uh, sometimes listen, on a Friday, it takes a little while for the neurons to fire. But but look, my, my I, brain hey, is I, I got ideas going, so it's hard to you know. It's a genius mind. Just follow along. Hop, hop on my back. We got this. Either way, I think it's going to take some time to get the owners to warm up to anything that would represent a dramatic departure from the way the game has always been played. Mike Zimmer was on with Rich Eisen yesterday talking about the ease of getting a first down via a penalty. And that was the other concern that was raised yesterday, that if you do make it a fourth and 15 play, a scrimmage play, you put pressure on the officials to throw a flag if there is illegal contact, if there is defensive holding, if there is defensive pass interference, it puts too much on them. Hey, are you going to throw that flag? Are you not going to throw that flag? They become the center of controversy because the drive either was extended or wasn't extended when there was pushing and shoving and jostling on that fourth and 15 play. And how are the officials going to handle it? Are they going to bury the flag deeper in the pocket? Are they going to be calling the play like they would during any other setting? They don't want to put the officials in that position. And here's Mike well, Zimmer talking about, about his... Let, let's hear Zimmer, and then let's talk more on the other side. Zimmer, a defensive guy. Shocker. He's going to be sensitive to the possibility of his guys being flagged and the other team getting a first down. But here's Zimmer from yesterday with Rich Eisen. Uh, I'm against it, Rich. Um, and uh, I think part of the reason is, you know, there's... If you get a pass interference, it's automatic first down. I mean, there's a lot of, lot of things that could happen there that... Uh, you know, and, and I'm a traditionalist anyway. I like football the way it is for the most part. The league is so tough. You work so hard to get to to a situation where they have to kick an onside kick where your defense gets a little bit of a rest, and then you got to, you know, but they score. Let's say they score, and obviously our job is not let them score, but if they do score, then the, de the defense has to go out there again and try and get them stopped. And, you know, it could have been a 10-play drive or whatever it was, but it's just weird to me. Okay, fourth and 15, let's Let's have one more play. All right. Yeah, look, here's the thing. And, and this gets back to the fact that football people are notoriously conservative. And I don't mean that politically. I mean they like things the way they are. And I can see from Mike Zimmer's standpoint, he's thinking deep down. My life is already hard enough trying to coach this football team without factoring in this crap fourth and 15 play that we'd have to defend in the event we're ahead. Of course, the other side of the coin is it gives you an, a device to come back if you're behind. And it's not like the, the, the Mike Zimmer led Vikings are ahead by two scores late in every game that they're in. 
you know, th- this is something that becomes problematic for a team that that otherwise is running over the opponents and is up by 10, 14, 16 points late in the game. So, you know, the other side of the coin is it gives your offense a chance to get back into games. I just think these guys don't want things to change because they just have a hard enough time keeping up with the way the game already is. They don't want to make the game more complicated. They don't have to think about things they currently don't think about because they're, they've got their time fully occupied thinking about the stuff that already is on their plate. They don't want to add anything else. Yeah, I mean, the, the penalty thing, I, I guess I understand it, but that also would be fixed if you do fourth and 15, you know, fourth and goal from the 15, because you can't, you can just simply say you cannot convert this with a penalty. Like you can't, you can't score a touchdown on a penalty. So what happens if there's pass interference in the end zone? Okay, well, half the distance or, or the, you know, well, yeah, actually half the dif- distance because it's 15 well, but, yard but here's, here's where Here's where your great idea is falling apart because, and then it becomes a series of plays. Not one. No, play. no, no, no. It's, it's no. You just say it's always fourth down. You can't get a first down off of a penalty. No, but no. You can't score well, but wait a minute. Penalty. But 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 then but then what they're gonna then here's the thing that they're they're just gonna commit illegal contact on the receiver every play if it's still fourth and fifteen. Oh, now it's fourth and ten. Now it's fourth and five. Now it's fourth and two and a half. Now it's fourth and one and a quarter. Oh, I disagree. They're, they're going to keep going half to the distance. No, well, I don't I, think they we, would do that. But why? Why just cut if they if they can't. You know, eventually they'll get the ball on the on the on the one yard line for their fourth down play. But maybe a team would prefer that. Maybe they would rather defend it. Maybe their maybe their thought is and and since since you've dragged me down this rabbit hole, I'm going to keep going down the rabbit hole with you. If you've got a defense that is very good against the run, but is not good against the pass, fourth and fifteen from the fifteen under your idea, you tell your defensive backs just just knock these just put them on their asses at the snap up. Oh, penalty okay fourth and fourth and 10 from the 10 still fourth down but we moved you five yards closer because there was a legal contact all right they do it again now it's fourth and five and you keep doing it until the only option is to run the ball you got a great run defense and you shut them down there and it takes five plays to get there so that's why see that that's that's the problem and that this is why the nfl is being cautious these ideas can spin out of control with unintended but, consequences, and they're trying to spot all of them before they make a change like this. Mike, guess what happens in that scenario if then the offense scores on fourth and, and goal from the one? The coach becomes the absolute joke of the media and everyone else when he lets the team willingly just take penalties over and over and over. No coach is going to risk that to that level. Like that's if I have a they, great rush defense and a horrible pass no. defense, I sure as hell like, will. They're all conservative. The coaches are conservative. They're always thinking about their job. Do you think the optics of taking five consecutive penalties to slowly let them get down to the inch R- line wait, and then letting R- them remember, walk in? There was a there was a glitch in the rules recently where they, they had to fill it in because they were deliberately taking penalties for strategic advantage. Look, yes, they're yeah, conservative. They don't like to change Belichick. the rules. Well, but you, that's a different one. You've always got you've always got guys who are going to exploit the rule book for their advantage. And even though the coaches typically don't like change, they're going to use strategically everything in the rule book. I like to help that it. though. I, that's fun. That's fun. This makes it fun. It makes it fun to think. Okay, who's going to exploit this? I mean, can you not? When you actually look back at the playoffs, but, but now you're last but, year, but now you're saying but, but, they will but, do it. First you say no, they won't no, do it. No, now no, you're no, saying they will no, do it, and you like it. Well, I don't. I don't think they would do it. But if you if you are convinced they will, I think there's an element of strategery that is very fun there that that makes it interesting to watch. Where it's like, what are they going to come up with? What are the new rules? 
What what's the what's the hack here that the coaches can figure out to better position their team? I think that makes it fun. I don't think it's going to happen the way you're saying it, but if it does, I'm all for it as well. On Friday mornings, you're just mad I because I made, show. Gr- I made a great on rule. Friday- you're just mad I made a great rule. On Friday mornings, I could either do the show with you or I could juggle Jello. They are the same thing <laughs> from the standpoint of trying to keep myself sane. There was another rule that we thought was dead, but now it's not. Although it's not really the rule that we thought we were going to get. The misadventures of Sky Judge and where it currently stands. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. Sky Judge is dead, unless, of course, it isn't. Although what the NFL has adopted is a far cry from what the NFL needs to adopt. This is a play last year that would have been subject and was subject to replay review for pass interference. That ended up being a debacle, either because of the concept or because of the execution. That is gone now. That was the reaction of the Rams Saints play. So the new reaction of the Rams Saints play from the 2018 NFC Championship game is to basically make the replay assistant available to the referee if the referee initiates the communication with the replay assistant nobody buzzes down to the referee the referee is the one that has to acknowledge hey maybe there's a reason to talk to the replay assistant and see if we can get some help from the replay assistant who's already there anyway they already have that position staffed there are six points that the referee can seek input from the replay assistant on game administration Complete, incomplete, or intercepted pass. Touching of a loose ball, boundary line, goal line, or end line. Location of the ball in relation to a boundary line, the line of scrimmage, the line to gain, or the goal line. Down by contact if the ruling on the field was not down by contact. And status of the game clock regarding when the time on the game clock can be restored. Those are the six ways, Big Cat, that the referee can talk to the replay assistant during the game for input. Now, they're doing this on an experimental basis for the preseason. They may adopt it for the regular season. They want to see how this works. Here's the problem. And, right, the whole purpose of trying to fix the system was to prevent another Rams-Saints non-call of pass interference in a playoff game debacle. This system omits the ability of the referee to get any input from the replay assistant as to whether or not there was an egregious instance of pass interference. So it doesn't fix the original problem. That's what's so bizarre about it. They have this major problem that sparks a reaction last year to try to fix it. What they did last year didn't work. So now this year, well, we got to do something else. We got to look. I think it all comes down to this. We have to look like we give a crap. We have to look like we're trying to make things better. This will make it look like we're trying, even though this procedure would never, if it was in place in 2018, would never have fixed the Rams-Saints non-call of pass interference debacle. It's ridiculous that we've gotten to this point where they're coming up with solutions that don't address the problem. Well, it goes back to my original point that there isn't a major problem. That was an overreaction after an egregious play that obviously had huge repercussions and cost the Saints a spot in the Super Bowl, but it happens Other than that, once it's not a problem. every... Huge, no, huge repercussions because that screwed the Saints out of an appearance in the Super Bowl that they aren't. Mike, it really isn't a big problem. Mike, come on. It, again, Mike, again, though, what happened against the Saints is egregious. I don't disagree with that. It has been, it has happened once, once. And now we are going to once change. Once is too many times. Way. 
I understand what your your, your thought process, Mike. Okay. But the, but the just NFL don't, but became just don't do unwatchable. Anything. The NFL became unwatchable when it came to the pass interference reviews last year. It was a terrible implementation of a rule that was trying to fix this one-off situation that a ref completely missed, and I agree. So it goes back to my original point, Mike, that forget all of this stuff. Just give me the big button. Give me the big button that someone can mash if something like that ever happens again. And guess what? But this it's isn't never the big probably button. Happen again. I know. This isn't I the agree. big button. I agree. But it, it, yeah. But I, I think reviewing pass interference, giving the refs the ability to review pass interference, is still the wrong way to do it because they will use it too many times. It needs to literally just be if there is a blatant, egregious rule miss. And that really happened in that Saints-Rams game. And it doesn't happen often, if at all, like to that level where there's no nuance. It's cut and dry. That was a pass interference. It should have been a pass interference. They completely missed it. I I really do think – I know what your frustration is. I understand that, it, you know, it, there's a lot of different things at play here. Gambling is, is a very good point by you. The fact that it happens just once is too many times. But I can't tell you enough. From the viewer's perspective, watching the game and watching pass interference replays and trying to decipher whether a guy pass interfered on a slow motion replay really hurts the viewership of the game and really hurts watching the game, the game experience, and having just even the ref's ability to do that doesn't fix the problem because they will do it. They will check so many times just to make sure. If a guy's sitting there and he has to keep hitting the button, it's going to be the same thing, just a different way. I hear you. I hear you. A couple of things. First of all, the, the whole thing about I wanted replay review for pass interference. I know it's a funny shtick for you, like admitting no, you dye your not. hair. I, I, I never wanted I it. I never wanted replay review for pass interference, and I don't want replay review for pass interference. I want something to fix what happened last right. year in January in the Rams-Saints-NFC championship game. What, what frustrates me about this is, is they are wasting time. They are wasting resources. They're wasting effort creating a system that is aimed at making us think they've addressed the problem when they aren't addressing the problem. They're addressing a different problem. They're addressing a separate problem. And they're making the replay assistant available to the referee. If the referee happens to realize, oh, you know what? We may have screwed that play up. That's what's ridiculous about it. Here's what they're doing. Number one, They don't want to undermine in any way the referee. And this gets into politics and the referee and the status of the referee. And you don't want to have someone in that booth that is looking over the referee's shoulder. God forbid anyone should be looking over the shoulder of someone who is charged with administering the rules correctly. Oh, we can't have that. So they don't want someone who has power that is equal to or greater than the referee to buzz down and say, hey, you may want to drop a flag there. So they've they've set this up to give the referee full power. Secondly, they don't want to pay, Big Cat. That's what this comes down to. They don't want to hire 17 people to serve as Sky Judge, so they're going to have the replay assistant who's already under salary, already under contract, who is there in the event the referee decides, hey, you know what, maybe I need to talk to the replay assistant, and and they save the money and the time and the effort for creating this separate system. So they've come up with something to make it look like they're doing something when in reality they're doing nothing. I have the fix, Mike. I have the fix. I am I am fixing the NFL this morning, and I know you'll probably poke holes at this, but this one works. You're, you're fixing it in the way a dog gets fixed, I think, but go ahead. No, I'm going to tell you the fix. You don't even know the fix. There's a challenge flat. 
red challenge flag that all coaches get when they get to a game. Give them an extra flag. It's the black flag. It challenges any play, any play, no matter what. You can challenge. You can challenge uh, the, the the rule when they when they say that uh, a defensive lineman puts too much weight on a quarterback. You can challenge pass interference. You can challenge the spot of the ball. You can challenge out of bounds. You can challenge any single play in a game with the black challenge flag, and you get one, and you better use it. it or, or if you use it, you lose it. But but you get one, and that's it. You get one, and that, and you no, hold on no, to it, no, and you get no, that. And no, and no, Mike, the added no, bonus no, of no, you get uh, coaches no. trying to figure out which flags which. And they're trying to pull out, like they pull out the black flag accidentally yeah. when they're meant to pull out the red flag, and we get chaos there. That is unintentional, hilarious chaos that happens from my rule. My rule works. Well, first of all, Jeff Fisher won't be back in the league for that to happen. <laughs> Second of all, here's the problem. If you let them challenge anything and they challenge pass interference, then we're back to where we were last year. But it's where only without one. Riveron, hang on, hang on. Without, but still, still, one game, the standard is here. The next game, the standard is here. It's moving Mike, around all year long, no. and it's basically no. You don't you don't want replay to be the equivalent of shaking a magic eight ball, which is what it became last year. Here's what they need to do, and I'm going to agree with something you said several minutes ago. And let's go. Let's circle back to that, and we have to leave it there. I believe there should be the red button, the break glass in event of emergency. I believe that Al Riveron considered doing that by using the pipeline. The microphone that he has at 345 Park Avenue or if he's on site at a big game where he can talk directly to the referee. I believe he considered in the Rams-Saints game saying drop a flag, even though the rules say you can't do that. That's, that's not what that pipeline is there for. I think he considered it, and he decided I can't do it, and that was his mistake. He should have done it. Imagine if he would have done it. What have we been talking about for the last 15 months? Nothing. I guess we should be yeah. grateful he didn't do it. So the point is, and maybe maybe this system is cover for the big button. And if it's not Al Riveron that hits the button, somebody needs to be sitting next to him who is higher on the pecking order than he is. And there aren't a whole lot of people in the league office higher on the pecking order. I can think of two, Troy Vincent and Roger Goodell. But somebody needs to be saying – to Al Riveron, if he's not going to hit the button, you hit the button. And the bigger the game, the more important it is that somebody else is telling him, hit the button, this is an egregious play, and if we don't fix this, we're going to have six months of crap from fans, from media, from Congress, from whoever, especially as gambling proliferate. Pro pro Boy, it was great until I couldn't land the plane. No, you but I agree with baby. you. I agree with everything you said. I agree with right. everything you said. All right, let's take a break. Bill Belichick has bragged about exploiting a loophole. We mentioned that briefly earlier. He got the loophole thrown back in his face, and now that loophole has been filled. We'll talk about one rule that definitely was passed when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. 
the longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Just the way the rules are set up, we were able to, you know, run quite a bit of time off the clock without really having to do anything. So. It's probably a loophole that'll be closed, but, and probably should be closed, but right now it's open. Bill Belichick used that loophole against the Jets on a Monday night in October when you intentionally take the penalty and the clock keeps running and you milk time off the clock. Now, in that setting, hey, we all were happy about it. It was a 33-0 blowout, but it did get turned around and used on Bill Belichick in the postseason by one of his former players, Mike Vrabel, the coach of the Tennessee Titans, used it in a game where it actually mattered to keep the ball away from the New England Patriots and chew time off the clock. Now, Vrabel knew about it. This wasn't something he learned when Belichick bragged about it. He probably learned about it playing with Belichick, but the loophole has been closed, Big Cat. No more of these easy seconds off the clock. We'll be right back. I definitely think I'm the best. I know I'm the best. You know, Mike, my boy, I love Mike. We was texting yesterday, but he know if I had Drew Brees my whole career. Uh, All cap. What these, what, these, what these numbers would be. Uh, Julio Jones know if I had Matt Ryan my whole career. That's my boy. I trained with Julio, too. He know what these numbers would be. So, uh, uh, you know, those guys are definitely blessed to be in a position where their whole career they had a, uh, a Pro Bowl quarterback, quarterback that they uh, spent, you know, multiple seasons with, uh, you know, but I don't complain, I don't make excuses, I go out and work. That's Cardinals receiver DeAndre Hopkins with Jalen and Jacoby, and he tried to tread lightly there, but when you say, hey, if I had Drew Brees my whole career, I'd have the yardage Michael Thomas has. If I had Matt Ryan my whole career, I'd have the yardage Julio Jones has. You're kind of throwing shade at Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray, aren't you? A little bit, but this is a good reminder. Remember, I told myself I needed to remind remind America and myself at least once a month until the season starts. DeAndre Hopkins is on the Arizona Cardinals. I it's DeAndre Hopkins is on the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals are going to be they they might be my dark horse pick to make the playoffs, and they're going to have uh, a ton of points scored this year. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch the Cardinals. I wonder if it's a little reverse psychology by DeAndre Hopkins to get Kyler Murray a little upset so he can prove he's every bit as good as Drew Brees and Matt Ryan by throwing DeAndre Hopkins the ball over and over and over again the way that Brees and Ryan feed Thomas and Jones, respectively. Time for some PFT props, and DeAndre Hopkins has an over-under of 1,124.5 receiving yards and eight and a half touchdowns. He's averaged 1,228 yards through seven seasons, 
Which are you going on the over with? I, you always go over, though. You're going to go over on both, aren't you? Over 11, 24.5 no. and over eight and a half touchdowns. This is actually a tough one because I there. this offense is going to be explosive. We have still have Larry Fitzgerald. You have Christian Kirk. Like, there's going to be some competition for balls here. So I'll go, you know what? I'll go over yards under touchdowns. Wow. Wow. Uh, I think definitely over on the yards because I think Murray is going to realize that there's a reason why Hopkins uh, was as good as he was in Houston. There's a reason he's had 1,228 yards on average per year. I'll agree with you under the touchdowns. Too many weapons in that offense between Kenyon Drake, between Kyler Murray, maybe running it in himself, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella. I think that uh, I think that that is uh, a legitimate concern. All right. Ravens over under 11 and a half wins. The folks at William Hill said that 75% of the betting is coming in on the under for the Ravens, even though they were 14 and two last year, where are you on the Ravens win total? You know, I, I would definitely under, under regular circumstances, take the under just because I'm a big believer in, you know, regression and teams always getting that, you know, big bullseye where, Hey, last year they kind of surprised a few teams for maybe not surprising that they were good, but surprising how good they were. The only reason I'm going to go over, Mike, is the defense of Lamar Jackson trying to figure out how to defend him. You know what doesn't help? Doing all your defensive installs on Zoom. You know what doesn't help? Not being able to, you know, have a full training camp. Maybe they will have full training camp, but all these things add up. And I think looking at teams that have the same quarterback and the same coach and the same offense from last year, they will always have a leg up going into this season versus the teams with new quarterback, new coach, new offense, whatever it may be, one pick, one of the three. So I'm going to take over on the Baltimore Ravens wins. Yeah, you know, that's actually a good point. When, when we see a guy take the lead by storm. Don't be surprised beca- that well, I made a good it, point. It is a little bit of a surprise. <laughs> but but we, we see defensive coordinators obsess over coming up with a way to stop it. I remember when the read option was a big deal. And how do we stop it? And, and yeah, you have a chance to, to sit in meeting rooms together and really have meaningful discussions and take it out to the practice field and try different things. And, and it's harder to collaborate now. Than, than it is in a normal year. So, yeah, I'm going to agree with you that, pe- that, that Lamar Jackson is still going to have a huge gap between himself and everyone else. I'll go over on 11 and a half wins. It doesn't mean they're going to be 14 and two, but I think they'll at least be 12 and four. Rams also under eight and a half wins is the primary bet that William Hill is seeing. 83% of the people are taking under eight and a half. Where are you on the Rams over or under eight and a half wins? I'll go over with this one. Um, I'm a believer in Sean McVay. I just think that, you know, it, just like you would bet against a team that overachieves one year and then and then regresses, I think the Rams underachieved last year, and they had that Super Bowl hangover last year, which definitely plays a, a factor. So I will take the over. I think they're a 9 or a 10-win team just because Sean McVay is that good. Like, Sean McVay will find a way. I think you'll see – uh, somewhere down the line, you know, in 20, 30 years, Sean McVay have a similar, uh, not he's not going to win six Lombardis like Bill Belichick, but a similar sense of doesn't really matter who's on the roster. He will always put a competitive team out there and they will always be at worst around 500. This is the test this year. They've done some bad contracts. They've made some bad business decisions. They don't have Todd Gurley. They 
traded away Brandon Cooks. They have to figure out what they're going to do with Jalen Ramsey. Are they going to pay him? Are they not going to pay him? I feel like this is a crossroads year for the Rams. And if they are good, it's going to be because of McVay. I still don't believe in Jared Goff. And if he doesn't have Todd Gurley with him at a high level of performance, I just don't think it's going to work. I'm going to go under, especially in that division with the Cardinals, the Seahawks, and the 49ers playing them twice per year. All right. How about this one from the Coach of the Year props? There are four mats who are plus 3,000, meaning you bet 100 and they become coach of the year, you win 3,000 bucks. Matt LaFleur of the Packers, Matt Nagy of the Bears, Matt Patricia of the Lions, Matt Rule of the Panthers. Which of those Matts would you take as a long shot at plus 3,000 to be coach of the year? All right, I'm biased, uh, obviously, to Matt Nagy, and I actually think that that would be the most compelling case. Wouldn't you say that the, that in terms of what, what are you going to get to make be coach of the year, you have to get to the playoffs, right? And to be coach of the year, you really have to get to the playoffs after a year you didn't make the playoffs. So cross the floor out there. Rule, Matt Rule, while I think he's going to be a good coach in the NFL, that team has a full rebuild that's going on right now. And Matt Patricia, who would you take, the Lions or the Bears, to get to the playoffs this next year? Well, and here's the thing, and Nagy was the coach of the year in 2018, and the reason he was coach of the year in 2018 is his team exceeded the generally Mm -hmm. accepted expectations for that team by the biggest margin. So I think to best position this, we have to gauge what are the expectations for each team. And I agree with you on LaFleur, even though there's kind of a sense that they may be on the front end of some dysfunction. If they make it to the playoffs, everybody's going to say, yeah, they were supposed to make it to the right. playoffs. They have Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be hard for Matt LaFleur unless they go like 16-0 and or 15-1. and I think it comes down to Patricia or Rule because those are the two teams with the lowest expectations. And if the Panthers go 9-7 and and become the seventh seed in the NFC, hey, look at what Matt Rule did. First year as an NFL coach, he had... He had a cup of coffee with the Giants as an assistant offensive line coach. He came in with no offseason program. Give it to Matt Rule. So I think it comes down to Patricia or Rule, and it won't surprise me if it's Matt Rule. So uh, I, actually, I just but- don't. I don't see them winning that enough games. And also, just to just to throw it out there, Mike, uh, the coach of the year, just looking through it, always wins double digit games. The only time it didn't happen was when Bruce Arians won it. Filling in for Chuck Pagano with nine and three record in in uh, twenty twelve, so nine and seven won't get it, get it for you. Jimmy Johnson was the last guy who actually won it nineteen ninety with tell me the record the Dallas Cowboys. Jimmy Johnson won Coach of the Year with this record, Mike. I don't know nine and seven, eight and eight, seven I don't and know. nine, seven, seven and, nine. and nine. Wow, yeah. Wow. So you, I, I'm just You're... looking at the history. You have to win double digit you... games to win Coach of the Year. You figured out how to multitask and search things on Google while you're doing the show. Let's take a break. John Madden has a message for folks producing NFL games on TV this season. We'll tell you what it is next right here on Pro Football Talk. Networks are trying to decide what to do about the potential for games to be played without fans. Empty stadiums, no noise do you use fake crowd noise do you not use fake crowd noise fred Gadelli, who produces sunday night football for nbc worked with john madden at nbc and at abc he sought out john madden's input and this comes from fred's comments to daniel kaplan of the athletic john madden said to me fred you're going to hear things that even you have never heard so i'd be really trying to figure out how to capture those sounds and present them to the audience and not worry as much about artificial sound and look that was one of the first things that struck me when we began to discuss the possibility of games without fans, hearing all the ambient noises, hearing all the trash talk, the comments among the participants. We got a glimpse of it on Sunday with the 
the golf match. I, I want to hear what these guys are saying, so I see the merit in what John Madden has said, Big Cat. But, Mike, I am firmly in the camp where, and I think you probably agree with me here, the NFL is the most paranoid league in the world. The coaches in the NFL are the most paranoid guys in the world. The NFL also doesn't want to have a situation where, hey, guess what? I mean, imagine if there was a hot mic for uh, Mason Rudolph's situation. We don't know what happened, but imagine if something was said. I don't think people are imagining that if if we don't have fake crowd noise, that we will have like a perfect mic'd up. It will be fa- fascinating to hear everyone talk. I don't think it's going to be like that. I think either they're not going to allow it because the coaches don't want it or everyone will clam up because they know they have a mic on and they know that they can get caught with a hot mic and they don't want to see that happen. I think once they get popped in the face, they'll forget they have a hot mic on. It's a twist on the old Mike Tyson line. You know, you're going to forget very quickly that you're mic'd up and you're going to trust that somebody is pressing the dump button. I want to hear it. I want to do that experiment and I'm interested in it. We'll see what happens. More PFT Live right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 